0: Zach, I got a bone to pick, man.
1: You typically do.
0: I have many bones that I pick often. (laughs) And it's just, I'm really not an angry guy. You're not. But I do it for the culture and for the content. Right,
1: for the listeners.
0: Yeah, this is actually an intro topic that I have thought of and then forgotten almost every time I am at North Park Mall.
1: Really? Yeah. So So it's one of those things that it's not just outright frustrating. I don't lose sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But I you like to if right. someone were like, "Hey, what happened today that like frustrated you?" But you wouldn't think to tell somebody. This is it.
0: This is it. Yeah, okay. but in the moment you're like, "I." There's a little rage. Yeah. Have you seen the meme of like Arthur? Yeah, Arthur?
1: yeah,
0: The Arthur fist. Yeah, the fist. It makes me Arthur fist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what uh, Cooper? What makes you Arthur? Uh, Arthur fist. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, let's let the cat out of the bag and pick a yeah. bone. Yeah. a Phrase.
1: Uh, pick your bone.
0: Okay. Pick your bone. I'll pick my bone. <laughs> and it's an. It has to do with escalators. Okay. Which are a great invention. Oh, I who thought of that? I mean, I was literally Moving looking at one the other day. And I was like, "That's amazing! Not only does it go up, but it's not even like a full staircase. Like it's a contained. Like you could walk under one. Yeah, like they contained it pretty well. Yeah,
1: it's just a conveyor belt of stairs. It's just that's
0: just ingenuity. Yeah, that's,
1: that is it's the crazy. American dream, is what it is. Yeah, and I
0: don't even know if they were built in America.
1: I'll look it up while you explain your your bone you're picking.
0: Great, so Zach, I am still to this day everyone's favorite. Lululemon.
1: Lululemon. Yeah. Yeah. Of course.
0: Know, I mean, you know the vibe. Yeah. And I work at the Lululemon store at North Park Mall. Again, please feel free to come visit me. I actually only work Saturdays now. Really? Because I got a full time job. Full time Coop. I'm a full time Coop. Congrats, I really Coop. Full time at Watermark Community Church. Congrats. I work at our local church. That's huge. As the Wake, which is the middle school team. Where we Wake both serve. Coordinator. We both serve with yeah. some, I mean, just absolute goonballs of sixth graders <laughs> that go to Providence Middle School. Yeah. But anyways, that's that's some weeds. We're yeah. getting caught in weeds, Zach.
1: Anyway, you are still our favorite Lululemon employee. Part-time. part-time only on Saturdays. Come visit Actually, him.
0: Weekend Warrior. Now. That's you my are. T- which is way cooler than part-time. That's
1: way cooler. Just,
0: I work my 9 to 5 in the weeks, but then I go to war on the weekends.
1: I love that. Weekend and just so, just so you know, the next time you're on an escalator, it was invented by a man named Jesse Reno in 1892 in Massachusetts. Wow. So it is the American dream.
0: Possibly Boston?
1: Pro- possibly. Who knows? That's Near, just- wait created a novelty ride at Coney Island in New York from his patent. It was an amusement park ride. It was
0: probably a horrible. It was
1: terrible, but they they realized it was probably pretty. Okay. Then it was redesigned in 1897 by Charles Seaburger, and it was named Escalator.
0: I mean, I'm that's guys, you're going to get, you get the truth. That's good. Good. That's good.
1: That's kind of crazy. Anyway,
0: he learned from the successes and mistakes of those who were before him and took an amusement park ride. And and it was a failure. Yeah. A probably a failed. I bet it was the, the lines were short.
1: Yeah, most likely.
0: But Zach, the lines are not short at the escalator nowadays. I've heard. And at North Park Mall, there are, it's a rather diverse mall, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But everyone I've learned, everyone, no matter, no matter what level of diversity, male, female, different races, all the things, everyone feels the need to get on the elevator, like fast walk to mm. it and stand on the elevator.
1: Mm. Escalator.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I meant
1: and yes, you please. have got places to be things to do just
0: move your sweet little tootsies <laughs> up the stairs person
1: you know is that a product of our society of our culture the laziness
0: yes absolutely but i would also say probably my need for hurry is yeah. probably is probably there's probably some problem there too
1: yeah i feel like a lot of people re- take it as a moment where they can check their socials mm, they while they post
0: stuff yeah. on their darn social medias. <laughs> um, yeah, they, these Gen Z them, kids. Gen <laughs> we actually are. Gen we Z. both are. But and ye- we're proud.
1: I'm trying to think. So here's yeah. the deal. I'm trying I to walk, think if I have an issue with that.
0: This happens often to me. I'm, I'm coming from one side, I see the escalator, and there's a large gap. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, great. Like, I can kinda, I can walk up. Also, I have a limited time of 30 minutes for my lunch break.
1: Okay, that, meant, to that helps. Work. Yeah, so yeah, that adds to that's me. good context. But what
0: always happens is I will be close, and then as I'm about, like probably four feet away someone else is stepping on the escalator Mm. and now i'm stuck behind there
1: and they probably have four bags in each hand or
0: or nothing they have no reason to be slowed they just stand there with this great expansive stairway ahead of them and they would rather take the time especially going down why don't you take down it's literally not even hard yeah zach (laughs) Just (laughs) just go down the stairs and you get a boost. It's like in Mario Kart if you were to hit the brake on the speed boost because you didn't want to go <laughs> While hitting a banana peel. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I, here's where I can
0: sympathize with uh, you, Sympathize with me, Zach. At
1: airports, there's the moving sidewalks, Yeah. which is also, also fascinating mm-hmm. that we would create a sidewalk that is, moves. Again,
0: that's literally a speed boost.
1: That re- it really is. Yeah. But people don't use it as such. I know. And then you have people I've, – I've tested it out. People, I'm like, okay, I'm going to see if I can walk faster, not speed walking. Yeah. If I get from A to B faster, walking on the regular sidewalk while they just Stand glide. Stand and allow just and you do to pass by. Every time. But also, if you walk on the
0: accelerated sidewalk, you feel like you're going a million miles an mm-hmm. hour. I mean, it's, it, is, it is amazing. <laughs> it's unreal. The wind is in your hair. So You just see people as you pass them and you just yeah. kind of like get a PowerPoint, like the double guns, you know, yeah. as walk you by.
1: Ooh, Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think moral of the story, much like the horn on a car, mm. it needs to come back as this. I'm not mad at you. You just you. need to be better. You just need to on be better. On an escalator.
0: Stand on the right. On the right. Let me pass you on the left. Yeah. And I will pass you.
1: Yeah. And I will say on your left and yep. come up behind you. That's exactly right. Do you think that would make your lunch break better? That- Do you think it's because you're in a hurry to get Panda? Oh, no, Zach, it's
0: like it's Chick fil A.
1: You always eat Chick fil A. Well, not on Sundays. Th- yeah. on Sundays. I don't remember. I remember I said only Saturday. But, but you're a Saturday only weekend warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But I usually get it on the app because that way I can order it from the store. And as I'm walking. So here's what I'm hearing. Yes.
1: We have a serious hurry issue.
0: I mean, I have 30 minutes yeah, to the dot. Yeah. And I have to, it takes mm. about seven to go there and back. And if there was no escalator, probably take five and a half.
1: (laughs) If there were no issues on the escalator.
0: That's exactly right.
1: So Cooper, what is your message to the people who need (sighs) this or sitting in their car and they're saying, gosh, that's me. I've held Cooper back from where he needs to go. What's your message to them?
0: I would say one, guys, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. I'm not (laughs) mad. You're exactly right, Zach. I'm not mad at you, but you need to be better because there's more for you. You could have seconds, maybe even minutes of your life back if you would just take one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, little by little, making your way up the stairs.
1: Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderberg, here with my co-host, the hurry
0: master, the escalator himself, Coop. McCullough. That's me, folks, your favorite Lululemon employee. And I was thinking while you were giving that intro, yeah. like, we should come up with a failed amusement park ride.
1: <laughs> to become something else. Yes, exactly. What I mean, what could it be? What's something like, like just a swing set or something? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. See, see, here's the but thing here's thing. what they did. It was a failed amusement park ride that went on to enhance people's lives that's right so, so what if
0: what if you know the superman from us uh, yeah, yeah if we replaced elevators with the superman
1: oh just, you just you just sit down
0: yeah you sit down and you just Yo. you just was, zoom so up <laughs> you have whiplash like, yeah. you have like a little carrying thing
1: yeah well i would say the Superman's a pretty successful music yeah but
0: room. maybe if if there was a problem it would probably be started to fail yeah, Six Flags
1: over Texas. And speaking of sponsor, Six Flags not over really, Texas, that would be sick. That would be awesome.
0: Free speaking tickets. Of, do your transition. That yeah, was sorry, good. my do transition go, is going so well. Speaking
1: really of did. Six Flags over Texas, I'm sure that our guest today went as a child. I mean, that was seamless. A Texas native, a oh, seventh yeah, exactly. generation Dallas Texan. Seven generations. Seven generations. Much more
0: generations than I've been alive.
1: Yeah, me too. But wow, I mean, combined, she, actually. her as well. Okay. okay. <laughs> her grandmother was the first councilwoman on the on city council for the city of dallas wow like first first oh yeah yeah yeah. first woman on the city on the dallas city council that's amazing i know this is genevieve collins genevieve just ran for congress for our district Mm -hmm. in dallas unfortunately she lost she ran a Wonderful campaign, did really well. And now she is working for Americans for Prosperity. But prior and to she's that... she's going to learn
0: from that, mis- not necessarily a mistake, but mistake, the but of yeah. what she thought the success. Guys, it's a learning opportunity. That's exactly right. She and tried. Yeah. She went out there and tried. Sometimes well, my dad would tell me when I missed the T-ball on the T, hey, it's all right, son. <laughs> At least you didn't strike out looking. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly.
1: laughs> well, here's what I, w- I, w- I talked to her about. And it's that point exactly, that she didn't allow... The congressional campaign lost to hold her back. That's she awesome. has completely pivoted. I mean, we're weeks since the loss. Yeah,
0: of course. And she
1: has already it's just dope
0: w- that she ran. That's why it's worth yeah. including.
1: and that's what she talks about a lot. It's like you don't have to like just run. You right. never know if you don't run. Right. But now she has completely pivoted and is working with Americans for Prosperity. And she is doing what she would do if she was in Congress, but on her own now. Yeah. So she's not letting awesome. that loss hold her back. She's continuing to, to, to push Possibly forward. Possibly
0: even allowing her to flourish more.
1: Probably. Which but,
0: was not what happened to my T-ball career. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pri- prior to that, she worked as a, a business executive for many years. So she has a lot of experience in that. And she's just very fun. She she's was. Awesome. It was a fun person to talk to, and she was very energetic, outgoing, and she's inspiring.
0: You love interviews like that. I do. You gotta love an interview,
1: and you like can that. tell it in the energy I have as yeah. well, and the way she ended. She ended with a Teddy Roosevelt quote. Oh gosh, that just, I'm, not, that
0: gonna going, I'm not gonna say
1: it. I'm not gonna say it. Teddy guy. You're I love guys, I love, him so love me Teddy. some Theodore, but I'm I'm not gonna say it. You just have to listen. But it was one of those. She said it. And it was the, the question, of course, what would you tell your 20-year-old well, self? I mean, we know where this is going. Yeah, it's how it ended. And I like sat there for a second and all I could think about was your famous quote is put that on a tweet and send it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I said that and I want everyone listening to, to stick it out. Don't just skip to that point. Yeah, Listen to this whole interview and get to that moment because it, you sure will. I'm it just
0: builds towards this oh, my moment. Gosh. And it's just like a, the angels are singing as the, just the climax. Of this <laughs> and you will immediately
1: run through a brick wall. Right into your congressional campaign. So make
0: sure you're not home near brick walls.
1: Here's one more thing I want to say before we get into Just our interview. Say it Zach. I heard our pastor, Todd Wagner, say yes. this at um at Church Taylor Day. It's that if we want to redeem politics in our country, we need more redeemed people in politics. That's I and mean, that'll preach. And, and so if it. you are a believer, do not be scared of the political realm, do not be scared of the public sector, because we need you there. And we need your voice and we need your your uh your will in that arena. And so we need more redeemed people just running. And I just want to say that yeah, and I mean, before we that start, put it on a tweet, and not my tweet, it. put it on Todd's tweet, yeah, I mean, words from, at words with wags, <laughs> We'll give him a little shout out. Maybe maybe we'll have one maybe, thought soon. He's my boss now. that will be nice. Anyway, let's get into the interview. Coop. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to share it with y'all. Here it is. My conversation with Genevieve Collins. Well, Genevieve, it's so good to see you and so nice to meet you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to meet with me and answer some questions about, about leadership and about your experiences in the past. But speaking of those experiences, why don't you just introduce yourself? Who are you and how do you get to where you are today?
2: Zach, thank you for having me. I have been born and raised here in Dallas, Texas. I'm a seventh generation Texan, fourth generation Dallasite. And I say that because most people know me for my congressional run for Congress. I was the Republican nominee for Congress in District 32. That's here in Dallas County. But before my congressional run, I was in the private sector spending 12 years of my life helping build an education technology company from basically 36 employees to now over 300 and one of the largest education technology companies in the country. And now I have transitioned to staying in the political and public sphere after running for Congress, as I now am the State Director for Americans for Prosperity, the Libre Initiative, and Concerned Veterans for America. All three brands are under the Americans for Prosperity umbrella, which is a nonpartisan political organization that is the premier organization that blends policy, donor, and grassroots activists together to champion and support policy that improves the lives of all Texans.
1: Well, you're a busy woman, and I want to thank you for, for taking time <laughs> out of your schedule to, to be with me. But you mentioned that you're a seventh-generation Texan. You have deep roots in the Dallas area and the Texas area. But something I read about you is that your grandmother, I believe, is what was was the first woman on Dallas City Council. How did your relationship with her kind of spur you into the role that you're in today?
2: Well, my grandmother and I were very close. And I would say that neither she nor I at certain times in our life thought that we would ever run for office. Um, She was the first woman in 1957 to ever run and be elected to the Dallas City Council. My grandmother was incredibly modest and humble, but wicked smart and a very shrewd uh, woman. But very capable and very uh, thoughtful listener, which I think made her a very a very good council member. Um, she, she didn't necessarily instill that this is something that I should do, but she really kind of gave, instilled a sense of stewardship and leadership that you need to be a part of your community and you need to serve your community with integrity and with a true character and compassion.
1: Yeah, I love that. And that led you into running for Congress in the 32nd yeah. District here in Dallas. And, and you ran a wonderful campaign. It was awesome. Thank I you. got the opportunity to follow that whole race. And it really was so great. And we're all so proud of you. Um, but what are some lessons that you can give us that you learned from from that race?
2: Well, I had never run for anything in my life. So full disclosure, that's the biggest lesson, is that you don't need permission to run for something that you believe in. And, you know, I was 34 running for public office for Congress, no less. And I'd never run for like student spotty council or anything, anything ever. I've just run around a track. And, you know, there were a lot of people. <laughs> it's true. That was good. But people want to know, people want to, you know, be able to elect you. You know, to go run. And the reality is, like, if you feel a calling and a need to do it, go, go do it. You don't need anyone's permission to go serve your heart. And I would say secondly, I would recommend that everyone runs for office, whether it's PTA, student body council or president, and everything in between. Running for office is one of those things where it clarifies your belief system. Because you're challenged on your belief system every single day, why you believe something versus not. And so you really intrinsically know who you are and what you believe in. And that's such a gift. Uh, and I write, and most people don't ever take the time to understand the foundations of why they believe something. And that for me was one of my favorite parts, aside from meeting so many fabulous people, but such a great lesson of you know, to thine own self be true and really owning it.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's so important to know your principles and to be able to run on those. And and something that you talk about a lot is this idea of persistence and perseverance and never giving up. And what I think is so fascinating about your story is that you run this wonderful campaign. You don't end up winning, yet you continue to, to press forward. You don't give up on those principles. And now it leads you to where you are at um, Americans for Prosperity. And so I think there's such a huge lesson in there. So for you, whether it's in the private sector or now more in the public Guy in the public public sector, what does the idea of never giving up, giving up, or persistence
2: mean to you? So, my whole life, my dad has told me patience and persistence produce profits. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that he's instilled in my sister and I. And the reality is, I don't have patience at all. <laughs> Full disclosure, but it, I believe, like for me, persistence is never giving up, and you know, you're never your goal is to complete the mission, but you have to do that based on your own principles. Um, And, and so for me, like persistence and never giving up is just how I choose to live my life because I don't want to leave it. I don't want to not have life's experiences. I want to make sure that I, I can enjoy this crazy ride, but be in the driver's seat of it. And why give up something when I could actually go make a big difference in someone's life or a lot of people's lives.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important to constantly remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. And especially when you're in the middle of a heated political campaign in a place like the heart of Dallas, Texas. And I'm sure there were times whenever there were things being said about you or things got hard. How did you push through those as a leader when you're leading a team, a campaign team? You're saying we're going to continue to push forward because we believe in the principles that we're running on. What did you do to remind yourself of that, or how did you push forward through those tough times?
2: Well, there were a lot of tough times running in 2020, and you know, I wouldn't recommend running during a global pandemic.
1: Yeah, not running, ideal.
2: Yeah, not ideal, or a race war, or even an energy crisis. Um, it's it kind of just became one of those things where when COVID hit in March of 2020, I told my team, I was like, well, we're going to start just acting like the Congresswoman. And, you know, people are expecting me to lead. Let's demonstrate how I will do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and that really became the modus operandi for how we just didn't give up, how we pivoted through really challenging circumstances, is that a lot of people will kind of quiver and fall down on following through. And when you're in a leadership position, it's your fundamental responsibility to go deliver because there's a lot of people looking and counting on you to do it. They just didn't know that you were going to be their messenger. And that was one of the things that I just felt intrinsically like I need to demonstrate how I will lead, how I will really live and operate and work within the community to solve real, real problems. Yeah. So that was how I did that.
1: Yeah. And you did an interesting approach too. And when, when times got hard, it, COVID hits, and you're running a political campaign. Really on zoom, you had to pivot and do a lot more videos. So kind of what went into your mind? What happened in that process? Why pivot to video you did like the 32 and 32 for 32 or something. And yeah. uh, talk about yeah. that. What, what was that all about?
2: So, I did 32 videos in 32 days for the 32nd district. And that was actually how I launched my campaign. And I talked about different issues every single day. Why am I running for office? Why do you know what was my relate? What's my relationship with the Lord? Um, I talked about my grandmother, I talked about healthcare and education. And I just wanted to demonstrate that even before COVID that you can have a, you can have innovative ideas. You can reach into new audiences by leveraging video. And then because, and I'm also a millennial. And so I'm running, I'm like the only millennial in my race. Right. Right. So I want to reach into younger audiences and make them feel included in this journey with me. And so one once COVID hit, it was not like a, oh my God, we have to scramble and figure something out. It was, you know, we've been doing videos consistently, you know, a minute or less, tried to be a minute or less, uh, yeah. every single video. And now we can just pivot quickly. But now instead of, you know, being out shooting the videos, we brought people in. So I did a whole series like on small business owners, really spotlighting small businesses during COVID. Uh, Talked to health providers, really spotlighting them as part of my Texas First platform. And so really, we went out and sought out people to interview and bring into my community and and also uplift them and their business and their goals uh, and just kind of spread the wealth and share the love. Yeah,
1: I think it's so important even as leaders to be able to keep your eyes up and see what is coming on the horizon and how do we need to pivot in order to continue to push forward forward. Something you've said in the past is uh, when when asked on the, the topic of perseverance and never giving up, you said never give up on your team, yourself, principles, integrity, doing the right thing, especially when people aren't looking. And I think that last part, the piece of especially when people aren't looking is so important. And especially in today's age, there's so many people who can be one person in the public eye. And then later we find out that there's someone different behind closed doors, especially for you. Now you're more in the public scene. People know who you are. What does that mean to you now? That integrity piece and being the same person in front of the door and both behind as a leader?
2: Yeah, it's something that I took very seriously just on the onset of my campaign is that I didn't want to change through the process, even though, you know, by going through something so monumental, you will change, but your interpersonal relationships shouldn't change because you at your core are still the same person, even though there's a lot of people pulling at you to be something different. And, you know, that for me, I was, I always knew, you know people can ask me to wear their cloak or wear whatever their armor is but that's not authentic to me and i can't i can't wear your issue as my number one issue if that's not if that's not truly my number one issue. And I think that we're in a society now where we're oftentimes pandering and saying, yes, I'm gonna make that my number one issue when it's really not. And we kind of forget and lose sight of our North star. And for me, like the whole thing about persistence and doing what's right, especially when people aren't looking and being part of a team is when I was a rower, I spent seven years as a rower and I competed at the NCAA championship every year in college. And it's really easy for people to slack off in the middle of a race because there's, they're one of eight. But if you want to win championships, you have to constantly show up for your teammates who are giving their blood, sweat and tears, every, every stroke alongside you that you don't want to let them down. And so for me, that whole idea really came to fruition through my rowing experience, because you can't let people down who are relying on you to achieve the goal and get to the destination that you want to be at.
1: I think that's such a good analogy. And I want to get to that point, the the competition side and the rowing side. Uh, But before we do, you said something really interesting in there of whenever you're running, people were pulling you in so many different directions and you realize that that's not your authentic self. And so whenever somebody comes to you and says that they have this issue that you want to champion, but it doesn't necessarily align with your principles or your values, what does that conversation look like? How do you kind of respectfully say no? Because I feel like especially today, you see all of the major corporations that are are putting up those signs. And you could speak into that even as as a businesswoman as well of this doesn't align with my principles. And so I'm not going to to champion it just to make you feel better. What do those conversations look like, especially when you're running for your own campaign?
2: Yeah, it's a real challenge, Zach, because everyone wants you to believe that they're the most important person in your life. And they can be
1: convincing,
2: right? But in that moment, they are because they're the person that you're talking to. So, you know, um, I always try to level with someone, you know, upfront. like you have my complete and full attention, you know, and if they have a different point of view on an issue, I really always try to understand, like, it's the iceberg mentality, the analogy, right? Mm-hmm. What's your why behind why you care about this? Because if I don't, uh, if I don't understand or align specifically on your policy position, but if I can understand why you are really fighting for this, then and i can then i can have a more meaningful conversation and i think that that comes from my sales experience spending 10 years working in inside and outside sales and ultimately leading my company's outside sales or excuse me ultimately leading our sales force understanding what people's motivations are for why they believe something so deeply and so intrinsically Fosters a far better policy conversation than just saying, "Well, I believe in healthcare. Healthcare is important too. I happen to disagree as a as a universal right. I believe our rights are given to us by God, not through a piece of paper. Um, but um, and and that might be somewhat controversial. But I, th- I believe that's the Constitution gives us our rights because they're God given rights, not man given rights.
1: Yeah, but, no, I, yes. I totally agree with you.
2: Anyways, but long story short, um, understanding that has and really needling in on what is their why has allowed me to be a much more successful communicator uh, and leader for that matter.
1: And even coming down to asking questions and getting to that person's why. And and it really makes you as the leader, the person they're coming to seem more empathetic and like they actually care for them as a human. I think it's so important. Uh, But going back to your your rowing days, if I'm not mistaken, you started the rowing team at Highland Park. Is that correct? I
2: did. I, I did. I did.
1: That is a wonderful legacy as well. But so you are just competitive by nature. You're, you're self proclaimed <laughs> competitive by nature, and that I mean, obviously you you have to be somewhat competitive to run for Congress in the first place. But how do you use competition to inspire others, especially those on your team? Whether it was at I say, or in the in the private sector, or running a political campaign, how do you use competition or even the metaphors of rowing to push people forward and inspire people to accomplish what they want to?
2: Well. I am hyper competitive. I mean, I'm not just competitive. I'm like a hyper competitive. So, um, but I also coming from a rowing background, I recognize that I can't do everything on my own. Mm. I I really believe in a teaming model uh, and rowing is the ultimate analogy for teamwork. And what I did in my own, in my own congressional team, and this is what I do in my own personal business uh, building a business. I like to hire specialists. I like to hire people that are really good at doing, you know, one or two specific things. Mm. A lot of people hire generalists. Um, I think that there's a, there's a role for both, but if you're trying to really achieve a specific goal, I want to have a lot of specialists executing and doing what they do best. Oftentimes we, you know, there are so many books out there and, um, blogs that are always like, you need to work on the 20% of things that you're not good at. I completely disagree. You need to be tripling down on the 80% of things you're great at, you know, and then you're going to be so much more effective. So from a competitive standpoint, when you bring a lot of people together that specialize and excel in doing the thing that they're good at, and they're getting a constant feedback loop of success, then it breeds more success. And everyone else sees that success. And it ultimately creates this competitive and fosters a naturally, but Supportive, competitive environment where we're all working to achieve and compete for the same goal, and so that's kind of how I built my business experience, built my businesses, um, and even my own congressional campaign. Because like I, I hate to lose more than I like to win. Yeah. And I ask that per, I ask that question of every single person I hire. To me, it's the most important question after you know ten rounds of interviews. The one question, if I'm on the fence, if you answer it in a way that doesn't make sense to me, I won't hire you, um, <laughs> but I hate to lose more than I like to win. And so um, it's just, that's just my, my way of being super competitive. Cause I know that I will kill myself to make sure that I don't lose because that lasting lingering feeling of a loss yeah. is hurt so much more than the temporary euphoria of a win.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so good. I, I want to go back to hiring specialists. I think that's so interesting because there, there, I know that there's someone listening to this that heard you say that and then they realized that they're putting way too much time into public speaking or something that they are not necessarily great at. What would you say to that person that you need to maybe switch or pivot your focuses to something that you are really good at and then push forward those while also somewhat developing those other skills? What's your message to that person?
2: Yeah, it's first off, what are you interested in? Because what you're interested in, you're going to naturally gravitate towards being better at. Um, secondly, can you make money? Can you make money yeah. at being at doing what you're interested in? Sometimes that's the case, for, but most of the time it's not. But you have people by nature have gifts and uncovering what your gift is, is like literally 90% of life's battle. You know, my boyfriend is an actual rocket scientist. Um, I can't do math. I mean, I know what an isosceles triangle is, but like doing calculus on a daily basis is not my gift, you know, but public speaking and engaging with people is what I enjoy doing. And, um, And I think that you will find more personal fulfillment and joy in specializing and knowing what your lane is and what your gift is and investing time in that it doesn't mean that you don't pay attention to the things that you'd like to be better at, but it means that you're really allowing yourself to thrive in a place where you can be successful.
1: Mm, that's good. You also mentioned in there, there's a question that you ask in every interview. What is that question? <laughs> for, for, the <laughs> person that. for the person listening, who's going to end up in an interview with you one day, so they'll be prepared.
2: So I always ask, it's the absolute last question I ask people. Um, and especially when you're, when you're hiring salespeople to me, it's, do you hate to lose or do you love to win? And it's really a philosophical question of how do you approach to me? It's how do you approach life? You know, Mm -hmm. I personally, I kind of grind things out, you know, um, where I just hate to lose because I don't like that lasting, lingering feeling. Um, but other there's a lot of people out there. They're like, no, I love to win. That feels great. Yeah. Um, and it's just you understand how people are motivated, and and then how they're going to be motivated in your operating system. And you know, for people that like to, that love to win, I have I have hired a few of them. Um, I don't pers- I I've not. I've not seen them, you know, be super successful because they, what I find is sometimes you love to win, but you, but sometimes they quit early. Mm. Um, and, and I'm so competitive that I will refuse to quit. I will. I cannot yield is like how I hate to lose.
1: No, I love that. So if you're in an interview and you're asked that question, what is your answer? I know it's, I hate to lose, but what is your more? Is there any more there?
2: Well, so it's really just about, I, I, ex, I, my assumption is that the win is the given. That's always my operating assumption. And so with that being said, I want to, I want to ensure that that win is, it comes to fruition. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything in my power, to make sure I don't lose because I hate that feeling of losing the thing that I assume is going to happen. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. That's great. I I love that. I love that question. Do you hate to lose or do you love to win? (laughs) I think everyone listening to really think about that and what, I mean, if you were sitting across the table in an interview with Genevieve Collins, what would your answer be uh, to that question? But there's one more question that I want to ask you. And it's the question that I love asking all of our leaders is what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? I feel like we get so many just nuggets of truth in this area. If you're able to just reflect uh, and look back, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self?
2: This may be unpopular, but go out and do you. I mean, that's been my life motto for a long time. And as I look back you know, in the last 14 years, um, I have loved everything. I have absolutely no regrets. I got to, I've traveled all over the world. I've done crazy, like hiking adventures and like outdoor adventures. I've traveled the world going to concerts. Um, I've helped build an enormous, successful business. I've run for Congress out of nowhere. And I guess it's just, continue. I would say, continue to have no fear. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't I, by nature it's just not I don't have fear I, I I'm very blessed cuz I just don't suffer from that I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know there's so much of the world for young people now where there's so much riding on what other people think of us. How many likes are you getting? How many people are interacting with your podcast or your social media channels or whatever it is. And, and sometimes that's a barrier for people to even take a, take the first step to being on that journey and, um, and barriers often become fears later. And so, um, so I would just say, continue to have no fear, uh, because what's the worst you can do fail. I mean, I'd rather fail while daring greatly than ever be with those cold and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. (laughs)
1: good <laughs> put that on a t-shirt and sell it that's a good one i, <laughs> uh, I love teddy that.
2: roosevelt's quote but a, yeah. you
1: know <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, the man in the arena i love it and I, I think in just reiterating that is that if you are looking towards the future just continue to press forward do you with no fear because that fear leads into barriers of your success and future fulfillment i think that's so good and i hope we we take that advice we heed it and Genevieve, thank you so much for your time and, and being with me today
2: Oh, it's my pleasure, Zach. I'm so grateful to you. And thank you for your friendship and your support. And I look forward to following you and your success.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.